You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everyone, and welcome to issue 117 of the Comic Book Informer podcast, coming to you on April 2nd. Thank God yesterday is over. Hate what April Fool's Day has turned into. But speaking of April Fool's, how's it going, oh, Roger? Oh, nice. That hey, was You've I, been I planning that segue for a while. Actually, just thought of it. I don't believe you. Of course you wouldn't. <laughs> you, you refuse to acknowledge I can think ahead. I do, I do. Or think. Or plan. Or tell me when you're ready. All of those things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, before we get into our discussion for this week, there is uh, something I did want to touch on, and that is, of course, the big uh, controversy that's been uh, swirling around Rick Remender and Uncanny Avengers number five, which came out last week. Uh, in the issue, we have the uh, public unveiling of the Avengers Unity Team, as Captain America calls it, and he brings Havoc onto the stage as team leader to really introduce you know, their mission statement. And I'm going to read this directly from the comic. Uh, Havoc says, This team is an embodiment of Charles Xavier's simple dream of all people working together, a fight more important now than ever. Recently, the world saw my brother Scott infused with the power of a god, and while he tried to make a lasting change to fix what he saw as broken, no man should ever unilaterally take action or choose for so many. It is hubris. I never quite saw things as my brother did, and later our views diverged even further. I don't see myself as born into a mutant cult or religion. Having an ex-gene doesn't bond me to anyone. It doesn't define me. In fact, I see the very word mutant as divisive, old thinking that serves to further separate us from our fellow man. We are all humans of one tribe. We are defined by our choices, not the makeup of our genes. So please don't call us mutants. The M word represents everything I hate. Now, there's a lot of things going on in that statement. A lot of really good things of, you know, Havoc wanting to present a more unified front of, you know, he's not just a mutant. He's also, you know, a, a person. You know, he shouldn't just live and die by that one label. However, wanting to completely remove the label of mutant really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because, well, he, he is a mutant. Like, it's kind of the technical definition of, you know, his biology. And it's not like he's trying to remove a certain, you know, slur or hateful phrase. It's like I said, he, he is a mutant. He, he can not call himself one all he wants, but that's what he is. And the reason this has become such a problem is a lot of people over the years have uh, identified with the X-Men because of what they represented, people who were different and people who were disliked because of that. I mean, coming from a more personal uh, standpoint, growing up in uh, elementary school, I was in a lot of advanced classes that actually required me to be bused to a different school once or twice a week. So that's kind of had caused a social social disconnect. It's kind of hard to, you know, form really good friendships when, you know, you're the weird kid that has to go to another school every once in a while. So that's don't, one of those things that attracted that. me. Don't blame huh? it on that. It's because you're an asshat. It has nothing to do with that. I wasn't yet. I'm betting you were. To it. <laughs> I'm betting you were. So, of course, I had a natural affinity for, you know, this school of, you know, kids who were born differently from other people, you know, not necessarily, you know, I didn't have laser beams shooting out of my eyes, but I was different from other kids because I was 
you know, just smarter. Sorry. I don't want to seem like a jerk, but it was, you know, it's on paper. Sorry. It's my, it's my definition. Five so, IQ points. That's all it while, is, folks. Five. Well, I can definitely identify with wanting to fit in and wanting to be seen as, you know, just a regular kid. I can also, also say that I wouldn't ever, at least now that I'm older, you know, when I was younger, I was like, man, why can't I just be normal? But now that I'm older, I can see, you know, I wouldn't want to reject my actual identity just for the sake of fitting in. I'd like, I wanted to be able to fit in as I am. And in the larger uh, metaphor here for the X-Men, a lot of people have seen the X-Men, uh, specifically going back to the 60s, as a metaphor for the uh, civil rights struggle in America. And while that particular metaphor doesn't really hold up, especially these days, uh, normal uh, several people within Marvel have gone to say, you know, they don't really follow any one particular metaphor for the X-Men. They just write the story as it is. And it's done in such a way that people can, you know, relate to it in many different ways. But Reminder's specific use of the phrase, the M word, of course, draws that parallel to that struggle of, you know, the N word. And that definitely caused a lot of people to, to not be very happy with this because, you know, any strong racial leader would not give up their own identity just for the sake of fitting in. So a lot of people raised these complaints and Reminder didn't handle it very well. And this is really what caused the problem. A lot of people had, you know, a, a strong you know, feeling about this, but they, they raised their discussion in a normal way. And Reminder's official response on his Twitter account was that anybody who disagreed with what Alex said could go drown in hobo piss. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now... <laughs> <coughs> oh <Whoa>, god <laughs> <laughs> wasn't expecting that <laughs> yeah neither was anybody else so that's really what turned this from a, a comic storyline that was maybe a little off into hey something's wrong here and Remeter later later went on to apologize for his statement saying that you know he was dealing with a number of you know very vocal and hateful individuals in addition to the people who were just being, you know, honest and, you know, rational about their, their discussions. And I, I can definitely see that if I were a comic writer, you can be damn sure I wouldn't have a Twitter account. <laughs> just look at what poor Dan Slott's gone through over his career. Okay. So, you know, he came out and said that, yeah, his statement was uh, kind of a, a backlash against all the hateful replies he was getting and uh you know he, he should have he acknowledges he should have done a better job and he actually did an interview with uh newsarama today where he says you know this isn't you know he wasn't writing for any one particular metaphor and i, I still feel that this speech without that actual m word phrase would have caused much less of a stir but like i said by using that exact phrasing he was purposefully drawing a parallel to you know the uh african-american civil rights struggle but he also goes on to say that this is just Alex's personal view as he's writing it. The other mutants that are in this comic don't even, don't necessarily share his view. The actual word mutant is still used in the comic, used around Havoc and to Havoc by, you know, Captain America and Wasp. So I, I, this, is, this was some – it's really unfortunate because this was something that could have led to a very interesting and thought-provoking conversation, especially about, you know, how comics can relate to, you know, our actual lives and, and social issues. 
And just a, a really unfortunate statement from Reminder completely derailed that entire option. And I, I was actually really angry myself before he issued the apologies and stuff. So I was like, man, this guy's kind of got off on the rails here. So uh, I, I, it's still something we're going to have to see play out. But it, at least over the last couple of days, it's gone from something that's kind of messed up to, OK, this is just we need to kind of move past this. Okay, so now I can say something? That was yes, like, no. you, you didn't even take a breath there to let me say anything. <laughs> Man. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have feelings about this. <laughs> apparently, and, and much stronger than me, with the exception of the hobo piss. That's, that's, that's funny as hell, i got to say. Um, and, and I can see that just being a blurting it out just because of the masses of abuse that these guys have to put up with from the loud, vocal you know, haters, because those are typically the ones that you hear from the most. Yeah, we we can't so, even call them a vocal minority. No, the people not, who are rational are the minority. Yeah. So it's, I, I can understand that just lashing out and having had it. Okay. I can, I, I can get that. Especially if what he was trying to do um, is misinterpreted kind of thing. Now you're saying this thing about the, the, the mutants and whatnot, and, and the, the name should be accepted. However, really, if you look at what the word is, it's not a pleasant description of what someone is. And then if you look at it in terms of, okay, well, where did it actually originate? Is it the quote-unquote again mutant community who decided to call themselves that or they were named that by the regular old folks. So there you can draw parallels to the N-word, two different slangs that were used, slurs I should say, um, to talk about different minorities at the time, which in some cases aren't the minority now. Um, so when you look at it that way, and I read that issue that you're talking about, and and I'm all for equality, as is obvious. I've worked with equality groups. I've helped out with a whole bunch of equality stuff um, that went national with uh, women's equality, all kinds of stuff. Anybody that knows me knows that. Um, But I read this and yes, you can obviously draw the parallels from what is going on in our world, but I certainly didn't take it as anything extreme like what they said. And the whole bit about not wanting to be called mutant, I actually didn't go, oh, come on. No, you would want to. No, I I can see that because, again, it's trying to unify a people and understand that these just have a different chromosome than these guys do. That's the only difference. It's not like it's a, a racial difference here where we're looking at different countries and different other things. So... I kind of thought that it was well written, and I and yes, there were some parallels, obviously, but it, it it wasn't. I didn't see it in any negative connotations at all when I read it. Okay, I it's just what it's so interesting because I would I would have loved to have seen how this conversation would have played out if not for those inflammatory statements. Yeah, because again, when you when you're looking at it, like think of it though, would you want to be called? A mutant. Now, let's not talk about the old cool X-Men. No, 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 no. In real sense, <laughs> would no, you I, want I, to be called I, I, I can a t- mutant? I can totally understand that. No. How, so, how, However, when we have a history of, you know, Charles Xavier and, you know, Magneto and the other mutant leaders themselves embracing the term, uh, I think it's it stops being – like Martin Luther King never embraced the N-word. So I, I think it's, it's sort of a standard of whether just – you know, historically or just because, you know, yeah, but that's just what they did. That's where you're drawing too many parallels that aren't necessarily even there. 
that's this is that's true. you're this the is, one this that's is, putting this is it. Absolutely there. true. So in the case of keeping it in and of itself, what it was in that strip, in that world, in that universe, I can easily play along with it and see that yet no some people will still hold strong to it and others will be like no we are just like you which is what they have fought for all along i said upon my initial reading i didn't really have that much of a problem with it i said okay he's seeing things in a different way than i would but i didn't hate it that's all i got okay so it just just wanted to throw that out there since it's been a very uh, hot button topic yeah no kidding and so at least we were able to have a rational discussion that didn't involve too much uh, vagrant urine. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when, uh, I read that on Twitter, like, because he, he, tweet, he tweets a lot like late at night. So it's like, you know, in the morning when I'm just, you know, kind of bored waiting, waiting to clock in at work and I'm scrolling through it. I saw that come across. I went, oh, <laughs> that's, that's going to come gonna back and well. bite you in the ass, buddy. <laughs> but you All know right. what, though, again, though, looking at it in terms of you're you're busting your ass for a creative endeavor for other people to enjoy and all they do is slam it most of the time that's what you're hearing i can I, oh it, i i can understand yes it, it doesn't diminish my opinion of him as a writer or, or as a person yet it's not that bad yeah it, it's not like he put out on his website you know his his official press release <laughs> uh, Mr. Reminder would like to relay the following message to the masses. Yeah, to uh, please drown in hobo piss. Uh, thank you. Uh, we'll hold all questions until later. <laughs> Could have been a lot more far. Uh, all right. As for our actual discussion today, uh, I actually wanted to talk about Fatal from Image Comics, uh, written by Ed Brubaker, art by Sean Phillips and Dave Stewart. And this came out last year. And I had read the first couple issues, but it's one of those stories that, at least for me, wasn't quite where I wanted it to be, at least on an issue-to-issue basis, and I, I kind of just wanted to wait and come back to it, you know, in the collected editions, because as we've seen, a lot of stories do flow better as a collected edition than they do uh, month-to-month, and I actually felt that here uh, in the uh, first collection, uh, which is the first five issues, the story called Death Chases Me. Uh, Fatal is taking Ed Brubaker's favorite, you know, style of the, these noir comics, and mixing in a load of supernatural elements. And I thought overall it lended itself to a pretty interesting story. I thought we were talking about Invincible. That was next week. Damn it. (laughs) I told you. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. You so didn't. You did not. You just told me to read all of this stuff. And there was like tons of stuff to read, I, and I, I said, read it all. Week we're going to do Fatal, and I'm going to give you enough advanced time because of the number of issues involved that Invincible is going to be the week after. Man, I was excited to talk about Invincible. I know you were, and I considered <laughs> switching the episodes around, but I decided to stick with my original plan Okay, because well, I wasn't prepared for Invincible fine, yet. We can talk about Fatal. I got to tell you, honestly, Fatal, I wasn't as impressed. And I know you've been enjoying that's, it. That's also kind of why I chose to do it here because yeah. I knew we were going to have that discussion about Avengers. And I had a feeling this was going to be a shorter discussion. This would be one of those where we just completely disagree on everything. Yeah. I, I'll let you go off on it for a little while and give my opinions as you go along because I was really not that impressed with it. I, I, I really wasn't. I'm not, I'm not holding it up as, oh, this was absolutely fantastic. Everybody should read it. I just... I just enjoyed it, you know, and and that's, you know, the, the way things are with, you know, this, this, you know, fiction and comics. Not everybody's going to enjoy the same thing in the same way. Oh, no, no, so. no, obviously, yeah, no. The, and this was one where I can honestly say, and it's not that, it's not, I, 
I can appreciate that it was well written for what it is and the people that uh, will enjoy it. They've got every right to kind of thing. It's not like it's crap that I'm saying, oh, give me a break. You actually like that? No, no, not at all. But for me, I actually point blank, there there was nothing I enjoyed about this. The, mm. It just, at all, I really just didn't, it wasn't a style I liked. I felt the story was a little bit too all over the place and things that we've seen as well too. And I didn't necessarily like the way everything was handled. So it's just something that like, I really had, I read this because you made me <laughs> and I ain't reading any more of them. I got a lot of respect for what he does. Um, Brubaker's writing, obviously it's just this here and this style of story and everything. I, nope, I didn't enjoy it. One of these days I'm going to find the limit of what I can make you read. Hey, and I've read gonna, Thor for you for Christ's sakes. <laughs> I mean, what we've gone through with you know, DC stuff, you know, one moment in time, one more day, all that stuff. I, I know at some point I'm going to hit that wall and it's going to be glorious. You may have already, and I've just been nice about it. <laughs> all right. Well, as for Fatal itself, uh, our main character is uh, Nicholas. And it starts off when he's at a funeral of his godfather. And he meets this, you know, beautiful woman who claims that, you know, his, her grandmother and, uh, Hank, uh, the deceased, uh, were lovers way back when. And it leads to, you know, uh, Nick investigating his, oh, I'm sorry, Nicholas. He doesn't like to be called Nick. Nicholas investigating, you know, his, uh, Hank's past, uh, who he turned out to be a, a novel writer of uh, completely generic crime novels. And he found, you know, this mysterious uh, manuscript, uh, unpublished, and just started delving into it. And then the story starts kind of jumping around the timeline of going back to Hank now being the main character and meeting this uh, woman, Josephine, who bears a striking resemblance to Joe, who Nicholas had just met. And at this point, we obviously know they're the same woman. And that's kind of what interests me in the story of, okay, you know, we're dealing with a supernatural story here. I mean, the first image we see is gangster Cthulhu. So (laughs) I was kind of on board from there. And I was just really interested to see where we already knew the basis of the story, seeing how all the pieces fit together of, you know, how Joe was this immortal woman and everything going on. And they, they kept giving us these crazy flashes of really weird stuff going on of, you know, like I said, gangster Cthulhu, you know, Nazi cultists and just all sorts of, I, I just really wanted to see the story play out and the mystery kind of a fill in all the blanks of how all the pieces fit together. And that's what interested me the most about the story where it kind of gave away the big mystery at the beginning and filled itself in as it went along. But of course you didn't keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Just, I I will give my opinions as you touch on different parts or whatever and tell you what I thought, but I don't want to just be the negative nanny here. No, it's, Listen, I, I'm, not, I'm also not going to sit here and just spout about all these things I liked when clearly, clearly we're disagreeing. Here. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it, the, the story goes into uh, Hank was a journalist at the time uh, investigating a crooked cop who the crooked cop happened to be uh, Joe's boyfriend, whatever he was. <laughs> Let's just say he, he had a, a certain sway over her that he held an artifact that uh, she required to uh, continue on with her immortal life. We see just ridiculous stuff happening here, finding out that uh, Joe is capable of, you know, influencing men's thoughts. And that's how she goes about uh, getting her way with things. And we see Nicholas 
kind of falling in with her, abandoning his family to be with, you know, this woman who we find out is clearly influencing him to her own ends. And just uh, Nicholas's wife gets killed by the cult. Uh, just, I, I don't want to go into crazy detail, but we see uh, that there's now this supernatural force who wants to get a hold of Joe because we still don't know exactly how she became this immortal woman. And that's obviously going to be a story for later chapters. But uh, one way or another, they, they want her. They want her power. And so you have all these forces working against each other. And it just turned into, like I said, what I felt to be a pretty compelling story, especially when one of the main villains turned out to be Gangster Cthulhu. <laughs> See, you're talking about um, like the different characters that are in this story and whatnot. And she is supposed to be one of the primary characters as she ties in the different timelines as well as all of these guys that she's banging, apparently everybody. Um, But I didn't think that she was an interesting enough character. I know that they're trying to make her into some sultry kind of femme fatale kind of thing. And it just wound up being exceptionally boring. I, I, the character was, there was nothing to her to really drive you to want to actually read more about her or to to feel for her when she's um, when she's going along and different things are happening either to her or you know things like that. See, this is kind of the thing I've had with a lot of Brubaker's uh, you know noir and criminal type works is that the characters themselves. I honestly never really find them all that interesting. It's for me, it's just about the puzzle and and seeing the pieces come together is what I really enjoy about uh, his particular writing. I, I, yeah, I got you there. I understand what you're saying, but even then, like I said, the premise didn't interest me. The characters didn't interest me. I there there were none of the main characters that really gripped me either. There was like whether we're talking about the the first timeline or the other kind of thing there were none of the 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 male characters either really i don't know they they weren't mm-hmm. every everybody kind of blended together there there weren't a lot of differences between the characters and how they behaved act um spoke anything and then the it, there was just nothing about it that really made me care about any of them either I mean, hell, the one's cheating on his wife anyways, so who gets murdered and he still wants to bang Joe. So it's like, you really can't like this guy too much. And and then when you look... I, I, I myself was uh, kind of getting a little uh, upset with Hank until, you know, they, they had the whole plot development of that, you know, she was in some way influencing his actions where at least he became, he went from scumbag to, uh, okay, I just kind of <laughs> could do without the guy. Yeah. So yeah, I I don't want to sit here and go on and on when, uh, while there's always an interesting discussion when points differ, you know I, I think both of us have kind of said everything we really want to say here. I yeah I'm yeah <laughs> okay so but still it you I would encourage anyone to check it out for yourself because clearly there are a number of people out there who like it. There are a number of people who don't. You kind of don't know which one you are <laughs> until you read it for yourself. You know, maybe wait for a Comixology to have a nice little sale going on or something. Check out a couple issues. Yeah. And, because, it, because it is something unique. And while, while the story structures and the, uh, you know, a lot of the, the, the imagery here isn't exactly unique in and of itself, I can definitely say there's no other comic out here that are out there like it. 
So then, uh, I guess we're going to dive right into what we're reading. And I first want to talk about uh, Fantastic Four, the number five AU, the Age of Ultron tie-in. I loved that issue. <laughs> I've got it. I haven't read it yet. Oh, because, you know, it's I still have no idea how the Age of Ultron is in itself is fitting in with the uh, standard Marvel timeline. But basically it has the Fantastic Four out in space and they get the emergency signal of you know Earth is under attack. We kind of need all hands on deck. So they just up and leave like they tell uh, Franklin and Valeria like, OK, be, be good. We'll be home soon. Of course, uh, Age of Ultron goes completely awry. They don't come home soon. So the rest of the issue is interspersed between them fighting on Earth and just getting obliterated by Ultron and their goodbye messages to Franklin and Valeria. It, it was it was just really, really well-written, really powerful stuff. I actually had to double-check because it read a lot like Hickman's Fantastic Four, but this was still written by Matt Fraction. So it 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 really tied into that that one core aspect of the Fantastic Four of the family relationship is more important than everything else, and I just really enjoyed it. Cool. Yeah, no, I can't wait to read it. <laughs> and then just briefly, uh, Uncanny X-Force and X-Men Legacy both remain to be fantastic. Uh, the latest issue of X-Men Legacy, almost nothing happened over the course of the 20-some pages, and yet I still really enjoyed it. Great character development for... Uh, Legion and Blindfold introducing, you know, this new character that's probably just a one-off character for the story. But I hear you in of itself, you have this one issue that told its own story, which I always enjoy when a comic can accomplish that. And it made a good point. You saw some character development for David. I absolutely love the latest issue, X-Men Legacy, and Kenny X-Force is just a blast. I didn't read um, Legacy yet, but I did read the third issue of X-Force. And uh, yeah, no, it was... It was fantastic. And and again, any any comic that makes you actually reasonably enjoy Puck in it, <laughs> you're doing something <laughs> right, obviously. And the stuff with Phantom X, oh, the, yeah. the Phantom X's, I should say, hmm, yeah. freaking awesome. No, it was a really, really good issue. And it went a long way towards establishing Spiral as a more relatable character instead of just, you know, villain with a lot of arms. We, we got some uh, backstory to her that makes her at least a little more interesting. I agree. I agree. Yeah, it was very cool. Which is, of course, very important if she's going to be actually joining the team. Is she? That's what they've said going in. Hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. I and apparently Bishop is supposed to be joining the team at some point as well. That I knew, but I didn't know they were putting the spiral in there. Yeah, that, that's what was so interesting. I was like, what the heck is Spiral doing on that team? <laughs> yeah, really. All right, so that, that's just what I wanted to touch on this week. Uh, what, I know you've been doing a lot of uh, reading and then uh, extra credit reading for next week's episode. Oh, I'm <laughs> all fit I, in anything next else? week, you're not going to be able to shut me up. <laughs> um, actually, no. Um, did you read The Astonishing X-Men that had some more with the uh, yeah. extermination uh, stuff? It, it I'm still kind of on the fence about the overall story. Yeah, it was, I mean, it wasn't phenomenal, obviously, and it's basically one very, very long fight, but it was still kind of cool. It was, it was fun to, to see what's going on with the, uh, how it's splitting apart for the teams and whatnot. The, uh, again, with the 
freaking split down the middle with the different art teams that could not be any more different, <laughs> which I hate. Um, actually, what I wanted to touch on ever so briefly was, and we talked about some of this last week when we were talking about Requiem for the um, the Death of Damien stuff. And oh, I was yes. Saying, you know what? I'd forgotten to mention that. I had also read um, Nightwing. Which is a complete tie-in. It's not just a little tie-in. It's him coming to terms with his feelings uh, with Damien having died because of how different he is to Bruce Wayne where he keeps himself open and he doesn't close off the world. And after this, he has to decide whether or not he's going to be the stronger man and continue to leave himself open instead of closing off the world like Bruce does. And so it was, I mean... Oh, I mean, it's a pretty cliched kind of story, but it was well enough told. I, I enjoyed it, but it's not something that I'm telling people, oh, go out and read this. The irony here, though, is freaking Red Hood and the Outlaws tie-in was great. <laughs> not just a little good. And, and, and we've, we haven't hidden our opinions of this series and what we think of it, all right? So take this, <laughs> understand that this means a lot now. It was phenomenal. He is actually still recovering from um, everything that went on with the Joker. And then you're getting the relationship stuff between he and Bruce, which it appears that it's finally resolving itself. It was a fantastic issue. That's actually one that I would tell people, buy that issue. Buy it, read it. It was friggin' awesome. But then what am I going to do with it afterwards? Because I don't want to kind of admit to it. <laughs> you can, just that one. As soon as things go back to normal, forget about it. <laughs> it's kind of like the uh, the tie-ins with Suicide Squad. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, and then Batman Incorporated number nine. Did you actually read eight yet? I... I just don't really have any interest okay. in reading it because like no, I said no, I don't fine. know the larger story going on. I kind of know everything I need to know about the issue. Yeah. So number I wanted to read nine. It's again going on with Requiem and things like that. And so you're getting the funeral where they're all bringing the casket out, and then you're also getting at the same time the fight between um, Batman and the guy who killed. Uh, Damien, and then the relationships going on between that guy and Damien's mother and, and all that jazz going on. Um, man, it was terrible. It was freaking terrible. I, I did see the panel where he told Alfred to take a hike. Yeah, and, and you go like, that there, out of left field. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's Alfred's fault that he couldn't stop Damien. No, A, he's your friggin' kid, and B, <laughs> uh, and B, you can't stop him from doing whatever the yeah. hell he wants. So you're going to tell freaking Alfred to take a vacation? No, 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 buddy, get a hold of yourself. So in that regard, it it didn't feel authentic to the character. And I mean, people will say, yeah, well, Morrison probably knows the character a hell of a lot better than you. Well, all that said, I still thought this was bad. And then the crap at the end with the, you know, everybody going against Batman, Batmans. Um, yeah, it was, I really, really didn't like this at all. At all. 
Welcome so, to my world. <laughs> so yeah, don't bother reading Be, it. Being the weird one that actually doesn't like Batman Incorporated. Yeah, well, I didn't like it. Uh, one last one. There, I, Man, dude, I, I read some really freaking awesome stuff, some interesting stuff, the Wolvie and his peeps updates. The, you had a lot of free time. Talent. Well, I, for those wondering, it was vacation to the folks' house. And so once everybody was gone to bed, I was sitting up and my knees were killing me. So I just laid up in bed and read. Did you read Five Weapons number one? Yes, I, did, I think I discussed it, didn't I? I can't remember if you discussed it. I think it I think I brought it up on a what we're reading. Okay, well, I finally read. I read the first one. I, I have the second one. I haven't read it yet. Um, I kind of liked it. Hmm. I don't know. Hey, it was interesting, but not interesting enough for me to want to read the second issue. See, for me, it was. I. It's not something that I would tell people. Oh, you gotta pick this up. But I thought it was kind of interesting. It was quirky, odd, different characters. Finally, something a little unique kind of thing. I. I was kind of having fun with it, so I'm looking forward to seeing what's in uh, in two and onward. I just kind of had a hard time with the assassin high school concept. Oh, but you're right with Young Avengers. Come on, buddy, you can't have it both ways. I, I told you, a Young Avengers isn't overall working for me either. Yeah, but it did at one point. Yes, it did. All right. You didn't read it at that point, so it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you read the Superior Spider-Man AU? Yeah, I wasn't as crazy about that one as I was about Fantastic Four. No. Uh, well, I haven't read the Fantastic Four one yet, so um, I thought this it was seems like something I kind of could have done without. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it still wasn't bad. I'm still surprised at uh, just how well I'm adapting to Otto being Peter kind of thing. It's we're, we're almost to the point where it's going to be weird when it goes back. Goes back, yeah, yeah, kind of thing. Because there's going to be some little quirks that I'm going to miss now. And that's saying a lot. <laughs> That's or should I say, if it goes back? Oh, come on. <laughs> Don't be that way. <laughs> All right. Well, for this week's new releases, we have a moderately sized list for once. From Marvel, we have Age of Apocalypse number 14, continuing the extermination crossover. We have Age of Ultron number four, All New X-Men number 10, Indestructible Hulk number six, Red She-Hulk number 64, Superior Spider-Man number seven, the new miniseries, Thanos Rising, number one, Ultimate X-Men, number 25, and Venom, number 33. For DC, we're looking at Animal Man and Detective Comics, Green Lantern and Swamp Thing, number 19, as well as Earth 2, number 11. Uh, the Detective Comics is actually a size, like, mega double bonus issue because it's kind of almost not quite celebrating Detective Comics' 900th issue. But they're not allowed to actually say that anywhere because they can't acknowledge it. And then uh, for the other guys this week, we have Uber number zero from Avatar, which is a new comic launching uh, written by Kieran Gillen, uh, who is, of course, uh, Young Avengers, uh, Journey into Mystery uh, and Iron Man, X-Men, et cetera, et cetera. I like the guy, so I'm going to check this one out. Uh, from Boom Studios, we have Hypernaturals number 10. IDW brings us the conclusion of Godzilla, the half-century war with issue number five. And Image, we have Mind the Gap number nine. And of course, whenever I have a week where there's not a whole lot from the other companies, I ask you guys out there, if you think I should be reading something, please go ahead, send me an email, vince at comicbookinformer.com. As we've shown over the years, we were willing to read at least anything once. So <laughs> if there's some cool uh, other comics out there that maybe uh, aren't on our radar, Drop us a line, and I'll definitely check out one issue. I'll, I'll give you one issue of just about anything. 
Actually, I had, I had talked to you. We're going to do something with, uh, I got a contact in though, with the guy who does a web comment that I've really been digging a lot. So we're going to see about doing something about that in the future. Okay. That, that's definitely some interesting stuff. Yeah. There's a few, there's a few, uh, web comics that have popped up, popped up, uh, recently that I'm probably gonna have to do another webcomic special oh yeah in the coming month or so i i've found some that have just amazed me that i've really really enjoyed a lot all right so that's good that's gonna be some fun something for you guys to look forward to but uh next week uh you're going to listen to <laughs> roger talking for 30 minutes straight <laughs> so uh yeah you can probably skip that one but no. anyway, you can no. find us, as always, online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CBinformer. And until next week, thanks for listening. You're just jealous of my awesomeness. Yeah.